We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Little change in the format of the podcast. We're going to move to more analysis features and we're still going to do some interviews. We're also going to add a little small segments on talking points or takeaways from different topics within the game as well so you'll see a little bit of change in the podcast if you enjoy it please feedback is always welcome gary at modernsoccercoach.com our guest today is oliver hopkins who is a writer for the analyst so he wrote an article that really jumped out to me about different styles um, from Premier League the whole way down to League Two and how different styles of football have different tactical concepts. And then does that change how we coach? Does that change how we analyse the game? Does the state of the game change? Things like possession, chances created, headers, ball in play, all these different aspects. I do have the link below in the notes, but if you want to watch the whole thing with all the visuals, you can access it on our YouTube page. Just search Gary Kernin on YouTube and give it a subscribe. Give the interview a like, all that good stuff. But in the questions, even though we don't have the visuals, I'm going to explain uh, what jumped out to me and some brilliant, brilliant insight from Oliver. Lots of takeaways in this here. Please let me know what you think. At MSC Education on Instagram, at Modern Soccer Coach on Twitter as well. Thank you for the support. Here is Oliver. Enjoy. Ollie, thanks so much for joining me today on the Modern Soccer Coach Analysis Podcast. First guest. Oh, I'm so honoured. Gary, <laughs> thanks so much. <laughs> Looking forward to getting into some, uh, some some team style comparisons. Yeah, yeah. The, your article, I've, I told you before we started recording, absolutely brilliant. Fascinating piece. How did you come across that topic? And then how long did it take to write it? It's a very embarrassing answer to, to that first question, really, uh, Gary. The... Um, so I, I play football personally, not very well. I play amateur football on Saturdays with my old, some, some old school friends. Um, I play centre half and to say I've got a slow turning circle is, you know, would be kind to me. Um, I'm a slow defender uh, and often get caught with a kind of a long ball over the top for a, for a fast striker again and again and again. And I was like, wow, this is a really effective way of playing against me and against my, my defence. So it almost started from there. It's like, okay, so... That in this game is a very effective way of of the opposition um, launching attacks is going direct and over the, this very slow centre half, <laughs> um, and so that got me thinking. Okay, how 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 do teams um, kind of as, as we go up the up, up the grassroots level, you know, from you know, my level all the way through up to the Premier League, how do the team team styles differ, and how did how do teams, I suppose. Um, change their approach to kind of generate chances because you know if you were just going to go long, 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 long in the Premier League, you know that's not really a, a way to kind of guarantee success, particularly with you know the the just I suppose the the modern day um, ten to half is yeah they're fast, strong, athletic, um, all the things I am not. Um, so that's really how it started, and then just kind of got into the the, the data. Um, 
spent about a day putting it all together, trying to look at different parts of the game. So looking at sort of in possession, defensively, um, and all sorts of things. Um, and then, yeah, thankfully, it was a very clear story with the, the data um, and could write you know, quite easily around, around that. It was quite a, a nice story. Um, and yeah, it was it was a very interesting um, kind of thought thought piece that kind of went 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 through. Um, and yeah, some of the findings were were pretty interesting. I I thought anyway. Very interesting. We'll point everyone to the analyst article. We <laughs> recommend we'll put the link below and we'll recommend everyone read it. But the first thing I want to look at is style comparisons. So when the style comparison graphic. He's got a chart which is league team style comparison. There's fast and direct against slow and intricate. The Premier League teams between 2019-2020, the last three seasons, are way over on the side of slow and intricate. Whereas League 2, last three seasons, are way up in the top corner of fast and direct. And then the championship is kind of in the middle between the different styles so slow and intricate fast and direct why is the premier league slow and intricate that's what i wanted to ask him that's basically what you're talking about is the the verticality in the play yeah perhaps slow is a bit of a harsh harsh phrase maybe maybe to be patient <laughs> patient mm. and intricate um so yeah i mean we, we we do see that on average the premier league has more passes per, per sequence. Um, and sequences here just mean a, uh, a period of play belonging to one team. So we have the ball at the back. At the, at the back. Um, we make five passes and then we lose the ball. That was one sequence there of five passes. So um, that, that's how we, we define that. Um, and, and generally speaking, as you kind of progress down the English pyramids, the number of passes per sequence decreases. Um, so you've, you've, you've got super teams like Manchester City, Liverpool, who keep the ball for a long time, a lot of passes, and that tends to kind of drop down as you go down um, the, the leagues. On the, um, on the y-axis, we have a, a, another metric called direct speed. Um, that's just simply um, how, far, how fast the ball moves up the field, metres per second. Um, and, and again, generally, this is, a, this is obviously not true for every single team in every single league, but generally speaking... Um, it, League Two is more direct than League One, than the Championship, than the Premier League. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of why we have this fast and direct quadrant, I suppose, where you see some of the um, the lower tiers um, versus the kind of slow intricate, which is more of the, I suppose, the the elite, the elite tier. Um, and this is a, a data from the last three um, seasons. So, so you're getting that data based off of looking at every team. And seeing what they well, basically you would chart get an average for Premier League teams doing that. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and, and exactly. And I think it's important to say that obviously in the Premier League itself, there are like if you if you have this graph in the Premier League, you'd have teams in all, all over the place. Mm-hmm. So you have you know City, Liverpool would be definitely slow intricate bottom right quadrant, but you have the likes of, of Burnley, Aston Villa, Watford would be in the fast and direct style. Um, so there are differences in the league itself. That's important to note. We have different styles within each each league, uh, but this is the average of, of all teams across all leagues. So I suppose like if you were to, to generalise, you, you could say Premier League is more often in the kind of slower integrated quadrant. 
Yeah. So you, I want to point out to all the listeners, you do state in your article uh, that there's no right way to play football, but there is definitely an effective way. And this is something that I'm really interested because when you're talking about your pathway and the right in the article, you're saying like, all right, well, you know, I was a, a you know, center half, but you just can't knock it long in the, in the Premier League. And you know the Virgils can still deal with that, and Harry Maguire's yeah. even could do that all day. But yeah. the other way around, and going like, all right, so I'm a, I'm a continental coach or arriving at League Two. Um, how hard is it, in your opinion, to like, you know, with this data and just the nature of the league? Take away philosophy, the nature of the league. How difficult do you think it is to swim upstream and and play a possession-based game slower? Yeah, it's it depends um, on I think on, on a lot of things. I think probably first of all, it depends on on kind of what your squad makeup is right 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 now. Um, and obviously, unless you're kind of a very wealthy team, you can't simply just replace players, you know, like like that. Um, I'm thinking to obviously when when Pep Guardiola joined City, he replaced Joe Hart with Claudio Bravo for a more sort of passing based goalkeeper. You can't really do that. Uh, like and like unless you're you're a very very wealthy club so you have to work under more constraints and i think it really depends on i suppose a few things you, you need the whole club to buy into a, a a passing ethos passing ethos um which is not always easy because often the kind of playing a, a more progressive possession-based style takes longer to implement and you know that during that period of trying to coach those into into your players you might not win all your your games so in a kind of you know a very results-based um league or or, uh position you might really be afforded the time to to to, to kind of get that right um and sometimes it is it is best and and you do just want to get results and often you know that can come with playing slightly less pretty but more you know pragmatic effective football um, which might be more long and and and, and more direct. Um, I think also in you know lower leagues that there are more matches, so you know ergo less time on the kind of training pitch to try and implement a kind of more yeah pro- progressive approach. But it, it's been done. Um, M- MK Dons um, have shown it's possible. Um, they they play play you know uh, very much ball on the ground passing. Um, Along the back and keeping the ball and progressing up through through the thirds um, with the ball on, on the grounds. Um, right, Russell Martin obviously worked there and is now at Swansea City, and Swansea are doing the, the exact um, same thing, playing a, a very progressive style of football. So it it's doable for sure, um, but you need to have buy-in from the board to give coaches the time to almost go through those maybe those those first first few bad results, or you know you're not winning, you're not getting the results you need. Um, but with a kind of a, like a long-term vision that everyone's sort of bought into, this is how we, we want to play. Um, so, yeah, without the money, you go maybe you got to go through a few teething pains first. I don't know if you remember the big Ron, the manager show that he did with Steve Lee. Yeah. I always remember the training where he was like, it was all possession-based, and then on the Saturday it was knock it, knock it. <laughs> You've got to be brave. You, you have to be to, to, to be brave to... Um, you know, when it actually matters, when the results are on the line, so to play the way you believe in and the way you train to play, um, and I think you know, that's you know that's that's worth saying that you have to be very courageous in in your beliefs. 
sequence time another really interesting one and and for anyone that's listening to this here um without the without the data in front of it you had premier league sequence time of 9.1 which was the top league two is 6.0 explain to us what the 9.1 is and the 6.0 is yeah so again we're talking about sequences here um and that's simply um a measure of how long on average a team in that league keeps the ball so if you were to start a stop clock when we win the ball back uh, say we're in the, in the premier league and you were to time us until we lose it that would be 9.1 seconds on average um and if you were in in league two that would be six seconds and you know we see that time progressively get get lower as you go down the the, the, the tiers um so so yeah maybe you could say that's you know that's a uh, league one and, and league two, you know, being fairly maybe uncomfortable in possession or kind of wanting to, wanting to kind of go direct and, and go and go long, um, faster and kind of mm. less keen to kind of have, have the ball at the back. Um, I think also it is worth saying that with the Premier League data, you've certainly got super teams, you know, you've, you've got two amazing teams and probably six, seven others who probably push that data up a little bit, they skew it higher because they are so dominant, they monopolize the ball, they have all the possession. I mean, I think from when I last checked uh, the earlier in the week, um, in the Premier League, Man City's average time was 15 seconds. So they're, you know, they're a lot higher than the average of the league itself. Um, but yes, again, generally speaking, you're watching a Premier League match, each team, is gonna, each team will have the ball for a longer period of time before they lose it than, than in the other leagues. Other tiers. That's interesting from a from a viewpoint from coaches where we would immediately when I read that, you know, I kind of sk I skim through articles and and try and read them as quick as possible. I'll probably miss a lot. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I go back and realize, yeah, that, and stuff catches me. I miss call <laughs> because it's like it's the time. Because immediately I thought it was nine point one passes. Was coaches, we mm. never, you never really use that context of time in possession. Is that something that you think coaches should be looking a little bit more at? Or is that growing in the game? Or is you always use sequences? This is a, it's a relatively new metric that that we've um, that we've that we've launched. Um, so, I mean, for, for me, I I looked at it because I, I I suppose there's a world where you could be passing the ball. So say say we had. Um, I don't know. So, say your keeper has the ball at, at his feet and waits there for ages before he gets closed down, and then boots it long. That's so you can't just look at either time or passes specifically. You have to look at both of them in, in combination um, because you, you could be playing really, really fast direct football and keeping the ball, making a very kind of uh, nice flowing, fast-paced move. So making a lot of passes play your sequence, but actually you could have taken you know three seconds to to do that. So I think the combination of those two metrics in terms of time plus passes and the results showing the way that they did meant you had a bit more of a clear picture of, okay, the Premier League is more patient um, and is less vertical versus uh, a League One or a League Two, which is certainly both in terms of how long a team has the ball, but also how many passes that they, they complete before they lose it. Um, there is a very clear picture uh at least for me, that I try to kind of paint in the in the intro to this this piece. Hello, coaches. Thank you so much for listening to the interview and supporting the work here at Modern Soccer Coach. 
listen, it's the summertime. It's a good chance for development. Some people have a few weeks off. It's a good chance to take in a few webinars or do some learning or get a book. And if you do have an opportunity to do that in the next few weeks, please consider supporting the work we do here at Modern Soccer Coach. At the Modern Soccer Coach store, we've got webinars, we've got books, we've just released the new book, Modern Soccer Coach Detail. How does everything put together? We're talking about analysis in this interview and how do you connect it with training, how do you connect it with game models, how do you connect it with psychology, leadership, all these things. We talk about that during the book. So hopefully this is a good chance in the summer yeah, to take a step back and do some learning, do some reading. It's also a good chance if you want to support the work we do here at Modern Soccer Coach. We do our best to keep everything free for as much as we can. So modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. Please check it out. Thanks for the support. Pass accuracy numbers, again, uh, for people that, that are listening to this here and, and don't have the graphic. This jumped out at me in terms of the difference between Premier League and League Two. And obviously, like I'm thinking professional leagues there's a difference between premier league and league two but like 15 percent, i think that's massive so then i'm i'm reading it going like all right well what do you think is that because of the technical because without reading this article I would have said yeah better players but mm-hmm. then when you read the article it it moves you into looking at styles so now you're thinking all right well then what's it what's the main cause and i've written in the question is it chicken or egg? Like, is there a is one driving the other, or what's your thoughts on that? Honestly, this this question was a really good question uh, and and really difficult, and we could probably spend an hour more talking about literally this this one this one question because there's so many ways you, you could go with it. Um, one thing that that really sprung sprung to mind um, for me was actually um, so Mickey Mellon, who's the head coach of Tranmere Rovers, who are in, in League Two, he spoke. He spoke at um, a Stats Perform Pro Forum event uh, earlier in in the year, and he was asked the question along the lines of something like, "How do you coach players who aren't at the, the, the elite level? So they aren't Premier League level. They're good, but they aren't the elite the, the, the elite level." And his immediate response to the question was, "They are elite. I see them, and they see themselves as technically." Okay, maybe not quite as good as the top top players in in the country, but pretty close. Um, so I think if if you asked him, he he'd say this is definitely a, a styles based um, result. You know, it's not because my players can't pass the ball; it's it's because for we 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 choose to you know probably play longer, play more direct. Obviously, that's why you, you you might see the lower pass accuracy because it's, it's obviously hard to complete a pass that's going further than you know sideways to your fellow centre half or or fullback. Um, so it's a, it's a great question. I mean, I think we shouldn't overestimate the sorry underestimate the influence of foreign coaching in the Premier League. Uh, I think you know the we've seen an influx of, of coaches come from the continent to, to coach in, in, in the top flights over the last five, six years or so. And, and those guys do bring with them definite styles of play. You know, we, we, we want to play um, with the ball on, on, on the floor. We want to play progressive football. Um, so maybe that's got to do a little bit with the stylistic differences here. And maybe if you wanted to kind of do a broad brush statement, you could say, okay, maybe the English managers low down the league, play a more pragmatic, direct style of, 
of, of football, which obviously kind of shows in this pass accuracy um, numbers here. Um, so for me, I, if I had to answer the question, I, I would say it's more to do with, with the style because I, I struggle to believe that you know, League Two players are still phenomenal players. Um, they're still exceptionally you know, gifted um, and you know would run rings around any amateur football player. They'd be the best player on the pitch by absolute country mile. So I refuse to believe that, that they're that much worse in in uh, quotation marks than like a top level player so you know i think it's it's a combination of the two but i if i had to kind of answer the question i'd come down on the i think it's because people are generally speaking playing a little bit more direct um and they're playing longer passes which is why that number is is lower i've actually just i've just broke down a game this morning it was a cup game um and it was 100 miles an hour mm. transitional how much do you think, like emotion or even weather, plays an impact on things like this here? Yeah, I think emotion is a, is a really good point. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but there's a really good video doing the rounds on 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 Twitter of Scott Parker giving his halftime Bournemouth team talk um, to his Bournemouth players. I think in the Notts Forest game that saw them go get promoted. Um, uh, it's nearly near half time, and his massive message was: "It's you. It's you're, you're playing too emotionally. It's too basketball style attack, 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 and it's it's too crazy and too chaotic." And they were basically, he basically was saying, "We want to control this game. We want we, we, we want to take the emotional angst out of the game and control it on, on on our terms." So you can definitely get caught in the kind of go to end to end. We attack, you attack. Um, game if you're not too careful um and you think of the kind of you know maybe some of the the ways that Pep Guardiola City have been caught into that battle in in kind of um European Cup competitions in in recent memory where they kind of get sucked into a crazy transitional game rather than you know how he wants to control a game you know with with basically possession and positional play it can definitely happen and it can happen to the to the best teams um I think weather-wise, it's a really it, another interesting point. Um, and actually, I actually looked looked up some some numbers for, I suppose, tr traditional, I guess, culturally more passing-based countries. So Spain and, and Brazil were kind of two that I, I looked at. And so this, the Spanish Segunda, so this the second tier in Spain, um, have a seventy-seven passing accuracy over the last three seasons. So that's about championship level, a little bit more. Um, and Brazilian Serie B is up at 79%. So that's almost Premier League level. So the kind of question around cultural um, approaches is really interesting because I, I, I think that that maybe points to the fact that actually culturally in you know South America or, or Spain, there is a more of a, of a possession-based, keep the ball-based approach than maybe there is in, in, in England. And that might be because... It's probably because of the national teams and, and the culture kind of growing up kind of through grassroots, but also pitches wise. I mean, in England, we have I think, pretty good pitches, all things being equal, but actually over the winter, um, some of them are quite open to the elements. Wind, rain can kind of, um, you know, affect the pitch. And that, you know, that, that might, if you can, if you sort of combine that with maybe a, a technical, maybe a lack of technical ability in some teams, um, in the kind of lower, lower pyramid, then that could kind of culminate in a yeah a lower passing accuracy. I'd, I'd, I'd say. Again, in the article, you point out that there's always exceptions to the rule. The analyst 
had a great article. I talked to you before we started recording. Leicester City, when they won the league in 2016, I'll just go through it real quick. 42.6% possession, underperformed expected goals, league's second lowest percentage of passes completed. But then it balances out with like, well, I don't know if balance is the right word, but their defensive metrics were so good. So in terms of getting this right, do you think from a from a data perspective, do you think that balancing uh, offensive and defensive metrics are really, really crucial? Yeah, w- without a doubt. I mean, in a perfect world, you have... You, know, you have great metrics in both. Um, so you have a super team who's able to generate you know, great chances, but also keep it super tight at the back. Um, and we've seen that with you know Manchester City over the past three, four seasons. You know they have basically been the best in terms of um, XG going forward, but also kind of XG against as well. They've been kind of leading in both categories, and this is why they've been so dominant. Um, that Leicester team, it's funny. I mean. I think there's a there's a reason why they were such a long shot to win. Um, and I think if you took teams and you and you played like Leicester played with their data and their numbers, you don't usually win leagues. Um, so I think they were certainly an, an outlier. Um, but what's key about that Leicester team is that they had, you know, despite them playing without the ball for so long um, and kind of relying on, you know, Wes, Wes Morgan and Robert Huth, they're back to kind of clear a lot of crosses, a lot of, a lot of head, um, aerial work from them. They were really tight at the back, but they balanced that with they had the second highest XG in the entire league last year. So they were creating the second highest quantity of chances out of all teams. So it's not like they were doing nothing going forwards, um, and that's because they had you know a, a huge threat on the counter with you know Vardy and and Mares who were electric in transition. You can they 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 could literally sit back, soak up soak up the pressure, and then release those superstar players, those lightning quick players on the break and, and catch teams, you know, literally, literally in, in transition. Um, obviously helped that they had Kante as well, playing in, playing in midfield, playing about five positions himself, running around and kind of an awesome screen in front of them. Um, but they were, I mean, they, they, they trailed in a lot of those matches um, and, and simply just with the confidence that if we sit back and we absorb these crosses, we've got a great back four and, and, and a keeper. And we release, you know, Vardy and, and Mares to kind of go and do their thing. That's how we're gonna we're gonna kind of counterattack um, that way. And yeah, I, mean, I think if you were to run the season again, run it back, would they win it again? Arguably not. But um, that's a beautiful thing about about it. Yeah, God, again, that could be another podcast episode. We should get you back on talk about Leicester City because that's like from a data perspective is fascinating. Um, yeah, it's a great it's a great uh, use case. Yeah. Um, Back to back to the article, the the goal scored picture, um, which I'll pull up here. I could again couldn't believe this. <laughs> There's more goals scored in the Premier League than any other of the divisions. Well, I'm thinking again, should this not be the other way around? Should there not be more chess matches? Should there not be more standoffs? Would did that surprise you? I mean, I suppose you could say. You could say yes. I mean, that there's sort of better, better defenses, more pressure on strikers. Um, you know, more tactical minds doing battle. But at the same time, better strikers, I suppose, is is a natural response. You know, you've got better players trying to put the ball into the back of the net, um, and you've also got you know pretty 
pretty wild, you know, records being set by kind of free scoring teams, which which would pull, pull up the average of of of, of course. Um, I think for me, the the biggest difference between the the Premier League versus the other leagues in terms of the goals scored and, and maybe why that was the case was shot location. So in in the top tier, players take shots from closer closer to the to the goal. Uh, on average speaking. So I think um, comparing the average shot location in the Premier League to the League Two, there's a one metre difference in terms of how close to the goal that shot was taken. Doesn't sound like a lot, but um, I think actually it is on a on a kind of a, a football pitch. Um, and also a high proportion of so- shots were taken from inside the box in the, in the Premier League as, as well. So players are shooting in better locations, um, which makes it easier to score. So whether or not that's the influence of analytics on the on the game, like XG tells us that you know shoot from closer to the goal, shoot from more centrally, and you've got a better chance of of, of scoring. Um, I don't know. Probably is a bit of a, a bit of that as kind of you know more and more teams now employ analysts and, and have you know bespoke analyst teams to kind of work on on the on these sort of things. Um, and also to kind of go into a, onto a second point. They also take fewer headed shots the higher up the leagues that, that, that you go, and, and headers are hard to score from because you've you know it's harder to score header than it's kind of score um, with, with the ball along 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 the floor. So I think kind of like a, a combination of probably slightly better finishes, um, but taking you know more better shots, shots that are closer to, to, to the goal and when the ball's, ball's on the ground, probably. Com- com- uh, combines to making kind of a, a more con- conducive score score friendly um type environment yeah well th- that makes sense then because more headed efforts means more crosses whereas the premier league player has the like i i completely agree the shot map is sometimes is oversimplification of coaching because you look at a shot map and say all right we'll get close to the goal finish the real challenge is how to access that space. Mm-hmm. Whereas a Premier League player, because they play and like it is so, they're so specific with positioning and what they can do. They can access those areas. Whereas a lower league player might, they might be chucking at diagonal balls earlier. Yeah, and I think we've also seen the rise of like the inverted winger slash the inside forward who who is targeting and kind of runs in but in behind and trying to get to the byline and then cut the ball back. Um, and actually, those opportunities are really high value in terms of if you want to score a goal, get a player to go to the byline, cut it back in, and you just basically walk onto it and, and, and tap it in, uh, in in theory. Um, and, and we do see there are more of those pullback passes in the Premier League versus the other three tiers. Um, so, you know, that also helps things. I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, to, to your point exactly, we, 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 we do also see you know, very, I think more of a, you know, maybe an attack versus defence sort of build up and, and phase of play in, in the Premier League where you've got the ball on the edge of the box with maybe a, like a, a low block trying to oppose you and you've got to try and work your work your way through that block to kind of get to a, to a good shooting opportunity. Um, whereas potentially in, in slightly lower leagues, maybe you almost, you miss out that phase of, of build up closer to the, to the opposition box because it's a, likely, a little bit, bit, bit more direct. You're going a bit longer and playing off a strike and then kind of linking up through through, through him. The last picture uh, is the ball and play metric. 
that again really really interesting and kind of brings us to i saw the clip this morning you probably saw it on social media with a chelsea guy looking for the ball back yeah and is there anything metric that the balls have played uh longer that there's ball kids are better to be fair, we, we, we don't collect data on ball kids, <laughs> but um, I mean, that it's definitely no secret that um, you know, ball, ball kids are trained and instructed by coaches to, to you know, be fast or, or be slow. Mm. Um, I think, you know, ahead of the, the City Atletico uh, game in, in the Champions League, um, that quarterfinal, I think it was, um, Pep Guardiola gave a presentation to his, his ball kids who were from the under-14 and under-13 uh, uh, squad and, and told them, look, you're very important in our tactics for, for tonight. You have to be fast. We lose the ball. You give it up straight away. We don't want to um, yeah, to, to, to waste time, basically. Um, but it's funny you should bring up this this point because in in City's game against Real Madrid, in, in that kind of crazy second leg of, of, of that Champions League semi-final where you know, they almost were winning and then they kind of got sent to extra time, um, in the second half of that extra time period, the ball was in play for just over seven minutes of 18 minutes total allotted, which is 40% of total time. So 60% of the time, there was no football being played, which was either a masterclass from, from, from Real Madrid, um, a bit of maybe a, a bit of um, naivety from City or, or, or on their behalf, um, and perhaps a bit of a refereeing um, blunder, not adding on the right, the right time, but you know, that was a really stark example of just how to kill a game. I think there was a, a double injury where you had Vinicius Junior and Militao both went down at the same time, injured, cramp, or maybe a, a groin strain. Honestly, I, I timed it. From them going down to the turf, to the ball being back in play, it was three minutes. Um, so, I mean, that's a very extreme example of a team trying to kill the clock. Um, but even... Even in, as, as you say, in normal maps where it's, you know, we're not in such a hyper um, intense, hyper competitive, you know, small time scale scenario, a general match, you know, you, you see, I mean, the Premier League's in, in play for just shy of 55 minutes. So, you know, you, you, if, you get to, if you get to watch a game, you don't even see an hour worth of football. Um, and that does decrease as well as we go down the English pyramid. Um, and that's because, the ball the ball's out of play for, 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 for a lot more time in League One and, and League Two. Um because because the, the, the style of play is a little bit longer, uh, more passes are over hit or headed out of play or, or lost. Um there, there are more throw-ins as a result and that time you know adds up basically. Um but I mean even even so it, 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 I think maybe maybe if you showed that those figures to you know a a fee paying match goer they might be like oh interesting maybe I do support the um you know the stopping the clock proposals that are coming in potentially. Well, then, then let's go there. Then, what what's your thoughts on that? As a you know, from a data perspective and from a fan. Yeah, um, I I think I think like 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 football generally, things are so tribal. I mean, you I think if your team is leading, you love being able to take the ball into the corner and you know, eat the clock, waste time. You love it if your if your team's doing that. Um, whereas if, you, whereas if it's been done against you, you hate it and you think it's the worst thing ever, and you you know you you, yeah, you kind of revile against it. Um, so I think it, it kind of depends on, I guess, 
is it your team that's 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 uh, being involved on here but i think if you look at it you know dispassionately and you look at it um objectively i'm personally very keen to see um how trials of, of that would, would work um they're trialing it in in portugal um over the summer in the under 23 revelation cup so very interested to see what happens as a result um i don't think i'm trying to think how how it will change the, the game and I, I think obviously the, the beauty of football is that it's so fluid and so dynamic um but i don't think this would change that too much um if anything maybe it would encourage people to kind of get the ball back into play faster i, I don't know to kind of keep the, the speed of the game um speed of the game going um it was certainly you know prevent a lot of people players feigning injury um because uh, that would basically be rendered point pointless um at, at this stage um so yeah i'm very intrigued i think if the trials go go well in in portugal and it doesn't change the game too much other than you know the um all the bass off that we, we kind of want to get rid of then i'd be all for it i mean it would it would ruin a lot of our historical database collection because you know you'd, you'd have um you know you would lose you'd, you'd forever lose the you know 90th minute winner wouldn't exist yeah. anymore every 60th minute winner <laughs> so it would ru ruin all of our historical data that we've collected over the past you know 30, 30 40 years because all those those goal scoring times would all be totally out of whack so selfishly maybe i should be campaigning for for no change uh, <laughs> keep it as it is so we can compare apples with apples, with apples. <laughs> i was in um so in, in america they in college they they put the clock down mm -hmm. so they keep it running and then you know it doesn't stop but when the ball goes out but then all of a sudden you know the referee if there's a stoppage the referee does the same and the clock stops it's not great um but i'll tell you what's great is the last 10 seconds of the game is like you just see people like you could be in complete control but the amount of teams that concede in buzzer beater style mm -hmm. is just because of the nature of pressure it's it's really really fun i would I would love to just to see that there from a from a curiosity perspective but i also think that yeah i i think it would be a great great thing i i it, it time wasting is a big problem i think it not even at the professional level like just even at amateur level i think it's starting to creep in i think the issue is it's not punished harshly enough mm. i mean that would be one way to so i suppose try and fix it without going as far as having a stop clock it's just punish punish it more, more heavily um but that is subjective you know is a player really injured or, or or not only they probably know um really um i mean i i'm with you i i love the when the clock goes red in rugby and this is, this is the last chance you have a scoring you, and you can kind of go down the pitch and try and score and try and score and then uh happens or doesn't happen i love that sort of climactic build up um and that sort of the the finish that, that creates is is great viewing um so i mean yeah i i would I'd be I would be on board of it. Mm. All right, last couple. Um and we'll finish up with uh with like as an analyst role. Let's say you know you go into uh, a League Two team as a full time analyst tomorrow morning with all this information, you sit down with a head coach and they're like, All right, where do I prioritize my game model with data? Yeah. Um I think the first thing that I would say is practice your throw-ins <laughs> because there there are there are so many more throw-ins in, in League Two than there are in any other league 
in kind of like the, the top four in England. So that there's like 60 throw-ins per, per League Two match, uh, only 40 in the Premier League. So you've got a throw-in almost like, you know, what's that? Um, bad maths, but over like one every minute and a half. Um, so practice your throw-ins. Um, can you devise routines from from those throw-ins? We've seen Brentford do it to great effect in the Premier League this this year, um, almost treating them like a set piece. We, we can control... Um, we can control the ball. It's, it's static. We can, can control our players' runs. Um, so can we devise routines to, you know, A, keep the ball from throw-ins? Because that's, you know, odd, oddly, oddly enough, um, generally speaking, teams don't really retain the ball from throw-ins. Like, it's, it's quite hard to, unless you've kind of well-worked and practice at it, it's hard to retain the ball. So how do we, A, keep the ball from these situations? And then, B, I suppose, how do we devise almost set-piece routines to kind of fashion chances from, from them, um, there are so many, so many more in, in League Two. Um, I think beyond that, I think we mentioned it before, but I think shooting habits is, is worthwhile looking at. Um, you're trying to trying to work the ball closer to, towards goal before letting fly. Um, you know, I, I think maybe you know encouraging midfield players to think twice about having a go from 25, 30 yards out. If if it's, if there's nothing else on, try and work work the angles. Try and maybe get get a cross in or, or kind of get, try and get behind the opposition back back line. Um, but I think what is very important to, to appreciate is that football is obviously is, is a, you know, it's a game of game theory. It depends on what your, what your opposition is doing. So making sure that you analyze it at the opposition's team playing style, how they set up, how they generate chances. You know, if you were to kind of plot that, that league style comparison matrix for, for just your league, okay, did this team play fast and direct are they slow intricate where do they stand on that sort of that matrix um and then devise ways to kind of counter counter that while trying to play to your strengths i suppose um but yeah that that's kind of what, what i'd try and do three things and then i suppose talk to the, the the players talk to the manager and see if they have a gut feel for anything else that they um they think's happening on the pitch and then try and look into the numbers beneath that i suppose and then the last one would be then if you're if you're in a club that doesn't have data and it doesn't have opta and you're a you know an ambitious semi-pro team or whatever it is college team and what would you advise for data collection and, and how would you advise that yeah um i mean i probably would go down the, the video route um you can i think you can buy fairly affordable sort of wide wide angle um video capture sort of software have that one up high high angle and try and get most of the pitch pitch in it um and and, and record your games and basically try and do the data collection post-match rather than doing it in real time it's very very challenging um assuming it's it's, it's a coach or two pairs or like like on their own doing the, the post-match data collection I probably wouldn't overdo it in terms of looking at player actions because that suddenly is taking you so much time to kind of go through and look at player passing and, and, and that sort of thing. So I'd focus more on the team as, as a whole. Um, you know, where do we get the most joy in attack? Where do we lose the ball? Where do we look vulnerable? Um, do we have good runs, you know, in in, in, our, in both boxes for doing set pieces? How, how is our shape? I probably would go more um, more broad, uh, uh, kind of like at the start, looking at general patterns and general trends, rather than looking at okay, how did my left back do in terms of his, you know, his progressive passing? Because um, that's so such a time sink. Um, 
And then probably to, to, to finish here, I think what's important is that we then communicate that with our players. So, you know, making sure that the players are aware of, of quantifiable targets that we have, you know, maybe we do lose the ball too much in, in our own, in our own half. Okay. As a team, we want to make sure we, we want to halve that, that figure by the end of the season, for example. Um, we want to block crosses. So fullbacks get out wide, block crosses, um, but put a number on that. You know, tell tell the team, maybe the the back four and, and midfield pivot, okay, we're, 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 this is what we're trying to do. We're, we're trying to limit turnovers in, in our own half. Put a number on that. Um, because you know, having quantifiable targets means you can push players to, to try and aim towards those targets. Um, and obviously, if you can combine individual improvements, that obviously leads as a whole to the team getting better in certain areas. So I think, um, yeah, I wouldn't go overboard. Don't don't think that that, that, that you know you need to click everything on the pitch. I think at once is it's crazy and, and it's probably going to make your head explode. Um, don't think that data will solve everything because you can use it to, to improve marginal gains, but it's not going to be the, the, the be all and end all. Um, it's going to you know, help your chances of, of winning if you can do it properly, but it's not going to guarantee uh, a win and um yeah i think get get, get players to, to, to buy into it as well because that's you know they're going to want to know um you know oh coach did i um did i beat my target the, this match did i block crosses did i you know keep keep the ball in 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 in, in an hour and a half that's the thing i think um, it makes people kind of play play up and play better fantastic oliver top class i've loved it thank you so much Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great to go through it. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Keep up the great work. Um, what articles next? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I did one recently on, on Arsenal's corner routines, which, which, which went down quite 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 well. They've got a nice uh, a nice nice routine going down there. So um, that was that was a good one. Uh, I think uh, maybe a look at the Championship playoff final, which mm. will be in uh, a week or so here at the time of the recording. Maybe looking at um, looking at that. Um, or maybe even maybe Wickham. Wickham Wanderers, obviously, I mean, they are the definition of there's no right, right way to play football. You know, they they rank bottom of of of, of League One for a lot of these metrics, um, pass completion rate, short passing. They're at the bottom, yet they're in the final of the playoff uh, League One playoff final against, you know, arguably a, a more progressive team. So you you can do it if you you know put your mind to it. You, you can play however you want, and there's no right way of playing. <laughs> right, it gives us all hope. <laughs> exactly exactly maybe one day i can play in uh, the premier leagues by a lack of pace <laughs> thank you for listening to the modern soccer coach podcast for more coaching topics sessions and resources head on over to coach kernine on facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com